We are live with Mike Alberts. Mike, hey, I am going to say this. Mike Alberts, you are an Iron Man. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> no, man. I didn't do it as well as Mike Rowdy, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. I would have loved to have you have you there. It was kind of funny to like hear him actually say that. Uh, it was it was neat, and he was actually out there like encouraging people. Like it was a three lap course, and at one point he's like, "Oh, we've got uh, Mike Alberts coming around the turn." I was like, "Did he say my name?" <laughs> what? <laughs> cool. Well, let's let's dig into that. I think you know, in 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 this episode, I think we can just uncover so much by like just focusing on this humongous feat that you've accomplished with an Ironman. But I mean, you know, kind of taking a step back, like how in the heck did you even get into it? Like first, when was your race? And can you give the stats on the race just so people can know like swim, bike, run, how long, what was your time, et cetera. And then let's go into like how in the heck you actually got to that, that point. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it was Ironman Coeur d'Alene and uh, it was June 27th this year. So I guess we're like three, three or so weeks ago feels like forever ago. Um, and in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, super, super beautiful Lake town. Um, I finished in 12 hours and nine minutes, um, which I was honestly just super excited about for one, I was super excited about finishing, but really super excited to be close to the 12 hour mark. So it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon, which is 26.2 mile run. Did the swim in an hour and five minutes, did the bike in a, in just shy of six and a half hours and uh, did the run in about four hours and 20 some minutes actually was a marathon PR for me. Uh, nice. My last two marathons, I didn't really, do well. I didn't really know what I was doing, but, um, yeah, it was just a, I mean, it was a surreal experience, man. I would recommend it to anyone that can put the time in. Well, we will dive into that. So let's rewind. Like how, how did you start this journey of endurance sports and, and getting to doing an Ironman? So I, I grew up playing sports and have always been athletic, but you know, I wasn't really a big runner. It was, I played a lot of golf and rugby and soccer and baseball, what have you. And really after college, I went into investment banking and then private equity. And as you, you are very well aware, I, I fell right into the, you know, working 80 to 90 hour weeks, sleeping very little, eating terribly. I mean, really bad. Uh, and so I sort of found myself in a, I wouldn't say in a hole, but, but I had just been focusing so much on my career and, um, I had, I'd actually left private equity and was working in a, a strategy and business development role within a healthcare company in Boston. I had sort of started to realize that it wasn't just my environment. It was sort of me that was just working a, a lot and putting in all the hours and not sleeping a ton. And it, it sounds totally like a movie, but I was on a flight, JetBlue flight from Boston to Tampa. And it just so happens that a friend of mine from high school was sitting next to me on the plane. And he was at, at business school in Boston. I hadn't seen him forever. And we got chatting and he, he looked great, looked very healthy, happy. And I said, you know, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm, I'm running, I'm doing this and that. 
And I said, that sounds awesome, man. He's like, you got to read this book, Mike. It's called Essentialism. Uh, it's by Greg McCown. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And I said, okay, sure, I'll, I'll read it. And so I picked up this book. I read it. And I want to say it changed my life, but it probably just changed the way I was thinking. And that was sort of the first step to getting me to say, what, what can I do outside of, of work? And so the first thing I thought was maybe I'll just start going for runs. So I started going on runs and that wasn't very fun. So I looked around and I, I found that there was a running club in Boston so they called Midnight Runners. It's like, wow, that sounds cool. And so I went out and the first- Midnight Runners, that fits with your schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? People ask, they're like, do they run at midnight? It's like, actually, they run at seven. So it's it's somewhat helpful. But yeah, I know it goes right with the, the mentality. Um, but it's, it was cool. It was like a, a very social community, young people. You go for a run, do kind of a boot camp style thing. And then afterwards, people would meet at a bar, have a beer, you know, sort of network. So it was, it was a cool environment for me. But the first time I showed up, it was a 10K boot camp. I almost didn't, I almost didn't make it. I was like huffing and puffing at the end and just, I was walking. I was thinking I was the last person. But I think that that was sort of like the first step. It's like, okay, I can run. I can get better at this. I said, all right, I'll sign up for a marathon. So I signed up for the, for the Dallas marathon and I sort of trained and, I finished that and I don't want to like make it sort of go fast forward. But, you know, after I hit a marathon, I'm like, okay, I can do that. I kept running. I started cycling. When was that Dallas marathon? Gosh, that was maybe 2018, 2018. Um, How many months did you prep for, for it? I think I, I prepped like three or four months. It was, it was sort of just a win thing. And, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just sort of, I was going to midnight runners and I had some friends there that would go on long runs with me on the weekends. Um, and during this time, I actually moved from Boston to LA. And so, you know, life sort of changed a little bit. And after that marathon, I was like, okay, I can run. This is somewhat interesting. And I, I just felt so great. I was shedding some weight. I was just thinking a little bit clearer I got into trail running, uh, which is what people do in LA. I didn't know that. Um, I have no idea either until uh, like Steve Wiesner and then Britt Terrell started posting on uh, socials like, wait a second, LA has trails? Oh, you're you're fantastic. I know. (laughs) Like right in the, I guess you call the Santa Monica Mountains. A lot of people go hiking, but in the early mornings, you just, we see all these trail runners. So I had no idea. It's a, it's a really cool, you know, endurance community. And, you know, while I sort of got into trail running, I learned about Rich Roll. Yep. I read his book, Finding Ultra. I was like, hey, maybe I'll be an ultra marathon guy. And so I signed up for an ultra marathon. That was a bad idea. Wait, you signed up for an ultra? I didn't know this. I did. I did. So I did signed up for an it? ultra. I didn't do it. Signed up for an ultra. And I, I was trying to train and I was at the time traveling a ton for work. I just didn't put the effort in. And I, I really, I set this goal for myself to, you know, run 30 miles a week and really just try to up that over time to get ready for the, the ultra. 
And I, I just, I kept missing workouts because of work. My heart wasn't in it and I failed and it just, it wasn't a cool feeling. I, I did, I did have some IT band issues. So you could say it was an injury, but I failed, you know, and, and that wasn't a good feeling. And so I, I sort of put the endurance stuff on the back burner. Um, when was this like 2019? Yeah, this is, this was, yeah, this was 2019. Um, Did you already like, you already registered, you paid and, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to this. I registered, I paid and I had been working with a coach and right up until the race. Yeah. The, the, my, the coach was like, you've missed too many workouts. Like you're not going to do well. And it was, <laughs> I, you will die. if You, you will die. Right. It was like really bad <laughs> because it was, it was supposed to be in June of 2019, which is coincidentally when I moved back to Boston and we launched Cohere. So it sort of was a good thing that it didn't happen, but that was a tough setback, right? Because I had set this like, I'm going to be an endurance runner and it didn't work. Um, and I think it's because I set, I set the goals for myself uh, that weren't achievable for my lifestyle at the time. So I certainly learned a lot about that. I know we're, I know we're going on a long winding road, but I promise I'm getting. Oh, no, 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 no. There there is no straight line to this discussion. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I found that the best discussions are actually not chronological or straight line and we will go down rabbit holes, but like, I think that brings up another really interesting point that we can maybe tease out through this, which is like, should you set goals, which are achievable and what is achievable because the goal that you thought was achievable a year before you went down the Ironman track now, well, what if you said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call the fence. But a lot of times, I don't know what you've experienced, but like when I've called the fence in endurance, you're like, ah, screw it. I'll do it. And it works. But then it's like, well, did I not, did I not call a high enough fence? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a super good point. And, and I think it, it wasn't that I failed. The, it wasn't that the goal was not possible because running an ultra marathon was absolutely possible for me. It was what, it, what were the goals that I set up to prepare myself for that? And I didn't do that correctly, right? I was at the time traveling three to four days a week. I was leading West Coast operations for a healthcare company. And we had our pharmacies in all over the place, uh, Northern California, Arizona. We were working with some hospital systems in Texas and Colorado. And so I was flying all over the place and I was making excuses for myself to not do a seven mile run on a Tuesday after I flew to Colorado. Right. And what I, I should have done is been a little bit more conscious of my travel schedule, done a bit more of a build and, and really started by achieving those, those small goals and small wins over time um, so that it didn't feel like I was failing every week. Cause that's what it felt like. That that, yeah. That, that brings up another thing that I've experienced in the past two months of my training for the November 6th Ironman has broken down. And so January through May, super strong crushing the workouts. And then June, July start happening. It just starts falling apart where it's like two workouts a week mm-hmm. or, Hey, I feel guilty because I drank 
a bottle of wine last night. Therefore, I'm going to go do a, a half marathon tomorrow and I'll do it. But it's like stupid. Yeah. You're going to hurt yourself. And so it, it, it's, you know, what I have realized in the past two months is that as the business, our family, and things have gotten busier, I didn't have a structure because what happens is like when your brain has to start thinking, then you start to not do things. And it goes back to that whole essentialism and, or, you know, even that whole idea of like how, you know, certain people wear like the same kind of shirt every day because they don't have that brain power focus on that. And so my brain power is focusing on other stuff and therefore I couldn't think through my schedule. And so like the big mistake I made in the past two months was not having like, this is the time that I train. Yeah. And, and so I think that brings a great, a great point, Jordan, is that that is what works for, for Jordan. Right. And that what you've learned over time, that that's what you need to do to get there. And I think for the longest time personally, and I've seen this in other people, we see, we read these books like essentialism or atomic habits and they give us a framework and we're like, oh, we got, we have to do exactly what they're saying. But really there's, there's sort of no size fits all approach. And you have to sort of try and see what works for you. And that may mean that you fail and you have to try again. I mean, during the Ironman prep, I tried so many different ways of working out and fitting it all in that didn't work. And it took you know, a month or two or even more till I really sort of figured out what was, what was good for me. And I think also what was good for me when I was 25 or 28 is not the same of what's good when I was 30 and, you know, now 32, right? Like that, it all changes. Um, so I think that's, that's also something that I learned a lot in myself and I've sort of seen in, in some of my friends and peers and family uh, when they set really high goals for themselves, uh, it's setting up a system, but being being willing to change the system if it's not working for you and not telling yourself you're a failure because the system that you set up is just not right for you. How did you manage time when things were really ramping up between, you know, the, you know, the work mm-hmm. and you know, leading business development for Cohere and, you know, Ironman training and, you know, obligations with your significant other. Unfortunately, she also competes to, 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 yes. to, say, to say it, to understate that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how, how did you, did you go into training just really structured and productive and, or how did your kind of, how did that evolve for you with time management? Yeah, I mean, I it it was it was certainly a process, but I, I do think that that might be the missing piece to the story. Uh, is actually this this running club, Midnight Runners, is where I met my fiance Alice, and the sort of reason why we decided to do an Ironman. I'd always kind of wanted to do one, um, and she was super encouraging of that, and we just decided, hey, let's just sign up for one and see what happens. And so I think just deciding as a, as a team to do that um, was, was super important, but, you know, Alice's works full time as well and certainly has you know plenty of obligations on her plate. But I do think that having that support system there where, 
I was able to say with my partner, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm going to structure time around it. Um, I think that's a really important, important piece. But to answer your question about, you know, how did I, how did I go about getting the structure in place? I just started doing a ton of research. Like what, how do people train for Ironman? You know, do they hire a coach? Is there like an online training program? And there's tons of resources out there. And, you know, what it really was is it took me about a year of, uh, well, nine months of, of trial and error. So I, what I did was I, you know, in this industry, I certainly work a lot, travel a lot during the COVID period and travel a ton, but setting up time parameters for myself to say, okay, I'm going to wake up at five and work out right away and then still, you know, be able to get to the office by nine or eight 30, or, you know, I, I usually try to kind of be on around then. And what I found was in the beginning, I would wake up at five and I just, I wouldn't be ready and excited to work out. My mind would be racing. I'd be like, okay, I've got these million things I want to do. I got to call these guys. I got to look at this deal. You know, I need to prep, prep something for, you know, the co-founders of my firm. I, all these ideas were coming in my head and I just wasn't really getting out what I needed to get out of workouts. So I just, I just tried some trial and error. I decided, okay, I'm going to start work in the morning and I'm going to take a break at 7 PM and work out, you know, seven, seven to nine or what have you. And that wasn't working. Cause I just, I don't like working out at night. It just doesn't work for me, except for midnight runners, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that's uh, so Jing and I work out primarily at night, Tuesday. It was, I think 10 30 at night. And Jing said, I'm so tired, but I have a 90 minute run. Okay. I don't want to. Okay, fine. I'm going to do this. And then she just went off for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same way after the kids go to bed at eight o'clock, eight 30, then whatever I'm doing that night, go off and do it. But I, I have to change my schedule because apparently Ironmans are in the morning. Ironmans are in the morning, but I, and I know this about you, Jordan, you also think and dream at, at night as well. And like to work at night. I'm the same way. Sometimes I get some of my best work at night. Um, so it's just, it's funny that I found through this Ironman training, my brain is the absolute best in firing all cylinders first thing in the morning and late at night, which is sort of funny, right? Uh, like kind of splits the day. Yeah. This sort of leads me to, you know, what I, what I figured out worked really well for me. And that was still waking up early five, which is great because not a lot of other people are up, which sort of stuff to say because a lot of people do wake up early, but getting up at five and coffee, oatmeal to my desk immediately. And I just start cranking out work at five every morning. That's just what I do. And I'll work from whether it be five to seven, five to six 30, five to seven 30, depending on the day and just sort of get a lot of work done. And then I'll spend that seven to eight, you know, six thirty to seven thirty, whatever it is, depending on meetings of the day, and then get my get my first workout in or my workout in, and I found that that worked wonders for me because I'd already just spent an hour to two hours getting work done, getting my day plan, getting ahead of work, and then that workout I can sort of zone out, be in like a good mental state and feel like I've started the day productive and then get right back in the day. I'm like fired up to work. Um, and then if I need to swim at night or work out at night, 
I, I make the time just given the Ironman, but uh, the, you know, the point of that sort of story there is that it, it took me some time to figure out, you know, what works for me and what was going to ensure that I was still very productive doing my job, which I love. How did you keep the motivation? I, Ironman or Iron Cowboy James Lawrence said in an interview with Ed Milet after he did the Conquer 100 and for anybody who, uh, just for the Conquer 100, you know, 100 Ironman distance triathlons in 100 days consecutively. And that was on top of the 50-50 that he did. And I mean, this guy's Crazy. insane. But Crazy. one of the key things that stuck out from this interview he did with Ed Milet was you can't have one why because that's not going to get you through it. You have to have a bag of whys. And I, I, I actually, I don't think I have my bag of whys. I don't even know if I have one solid why. You know, I think, I know that I'm a little bit, ex, well, I am externally motivated, but I, I, it's like when I'm halfway through a race, I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? I still don't even know. I am happy to report to you that during the Ironman, I only had one point where I was like, man, what am I doing? Right. And I think my, the why sort of goes back to that, you know, movie-esque moment when I was on the plane talking to my friend Mustafa and he said, re-essentialism, you know, it sort of changed the way I think about things. And that was sort of the trigger that got me to, to sort of change my perspective on my life and what works for me. And that was putting health, you know, my mind, my community as a important factor in my life outside of work. And, you know, so, so the why for me was really, let's just see how far you can take this. Um, and it was more about the process than it was about the race. So of course I wanted to do an Ironman. I was excited about Coeur d'Alene, but I made sure that I remembered every day, like this, this is about the process. It's not about doing an Ironman. It's about waking up and swimming and running and biking and pushing yourself and sort of seeing what you're made of. And once I started focusing on every day, I'm just, I'm chipping away. I'm, I'm building, putting building blocks on, or what is, what's that term? Like building bricks. Like I, once you sort of like focus on that, I got the, I got so much joy out of it. Um, and it actually made it easier if one day work popped up and I couldn't do a workout and I missed a workout, that's fine. I got another brick ready, ready to go for tomorrow. Right. That helped me huge. How much weight did you lose since two or three years ago? <laughs> so, uh, at my, Heaviest point in, in investment banking, uh, I, I was 225 and I, I'm, I hover like one, 170, <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, I also, not that this is a huge weight loss thing, but I, I also became quite plant-based over the past two years, um, which I think is a little bit of a function of of Alice, uh, my fiance, but I had sort of toyed with eating, you know, being plant-based 
funny enough when I lived in Los Angeles, cause my trail running friends were all vegans. Um, and I, I think that diet goes, is, is a big thing, you know, about the fourth, the fourth discipline. Exactly. The fourth discipline for sure. And I, I met a lot of people actually, you know, some of the, the community around, uh, we, we, we work with a coach and some of the people in the community are really big about, you know, you got to have protein, you got to eat meat, all this yeah. stuff, which I'm the believer of is diet is a highly personal journey. What works for one person doesn't work for another. I've got friends that are keto and they're great. I've got friends that are intermittent fasters and they're great, you know, big time meat eaters. Are, are you, are, are you completely vegan? I like to say I'm, I'm 97%. <laughs> is that like a celebratory steak? Or no, no, it's 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 more so for convenience, right? Like if, if I'm at a dinner party, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say like, oh, I, I'm not gonna eat cheese or butter or you know what yeah. you're serving me. I probably won't eat the meat, but like, you know, if it's cheese or butter or fish, fish is sort of where I get around sometimes. Um, yeah. I'll that usually you can find an option anywhere for that. So it's really more about um, convenience. But if I if I had it, if it was up to me, I'd be it'd be a hundred percent at all times. Just and we're a hundred percent at home. Um, that's that's interesting. And actually, I think that brings up another really good point for people you know like me who struggle with diet. Um, you know, not having something at home, like generally, like we don't have a pint of Ben and Jerry's because I would destroy that in the first hour of it being in the freezer. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that uh, as Jing has reminded me of, and she's in the other room, can hear me. Um, she's, she's reminded me, aren't she supposed to have abs by now? Um, but <laughs> I've, I've learned that you cannot run a bad diet. Um, actually, I shouldn't say I have learned. I'm conscious of that, uh, that concept. Um, but you cannot run a bad diet. And what, what I found is like, when you're, when you're active and you're training, you just want to generally lean towards a healthier diet. Because if you eat like crap at 4 PM or 5 PM, then guess what? You're not, you're not doing your five miles at night. I, I think it's, it's a good point. And I think it's another misconception about eating in general is that people get into running or endurance sports or CrossFit or whatever. And they also take the mentality of I'm going to eat less and count calories. And again, as I say, like everything is highly personal, but personal, but for me, I eat a lot. I eat a lot and I eat even, I eat even more when I was training for the Ironman and I'm still sort of training. So I'm still eating a lot, but eating when you're hungry and making sure you're fueled is something that I underestimated immensely. And I think that was one of the biggest, to your point, the fourth discipline, that was one of the things I learned the most from this, the, co- the coach that we decided to work with, um, Natasha Vandemer. And she, she's great. But she was saying like, Mike, you need to be eating more. You need to be taking in more calories, more salt, you know, what have you. And it, and it doesn't, you don't have to train for an Ironman for that to be the case. But I, I, I would bet, you know, a lot that for anyone that's trying to train or trying to get in shape, 
making sure that you're eating adequately and fueling your body, you're still going to lose the weight, right? I mean, I don't have, I don't have abs, but I'm definitely in the best shape of my life and I feel fantastic, which yep. you know, is good for me, I guess. And that's, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a very good point in that you have to find out of like, fundamentally, are you happy? And do you have the energy that you want during the days and the weeks? And if you can do that with, you know, two ice creams a week and a glass of wine at night and you're happier than ever, then good on you. But, <laughs> you know, I think for me on the adjustment, it's been more of that balance for alcohol of, you know, starting off like, eh, I'm just gonna do it Friday. Well, then Friday becomes Friday and Saturday. And then Friday becomes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then mm-hmm. it's like, ah, hey, you know what? It's Tuesday. I've had a, it has been, it's Tuesday and I feel like crap. I'm going to get a glass of wine. And guess what doesn't happen that night? Yeah. <laughs> no swim and bike or run. Yeah. But I think also I have many times in my life focused on deprivation of things like that. Like, okay, I'm not going to drink during the week or I'm not going to eat fried food or what have you. And I, it, and for me, it, it never works. And it, it really was until I said, all right, my goal is to work out today at a certain level. And I know that if I have a couple of beers a night before, I'm not going to be able to perform at that level. And that was really what got me to sort of curb it a little bit. But also, I don't, I want to make sure that I, I have fun training for this Ironman. And, you know, Alice and I like, beer and wine and we love to go out to eat and I love seeing friends and staying up late, you know, talking to people. And we didn't want to deprive ourselves of those things. And I think that that was super helpful because I mean, I had a, I had a beer two nights before the Ironman and I still finished, right. It didn't kill me. Um, but sort of like re reevaluating the way that you think about it. I think, I think yeah, that, that uh, makes me think back to last weekend, like it was a, last Saturday, where um, last Saturday and Sunday, when I went out on a run with the kids and I had them in the jogger, the two-year-old and the four-year-old, and I had so much fun with the music and singing kids' songs and everything. And then I looked at my time, I was like damn, I need to be doing this more often. <laughs> but but that really drove home a very important point for my training, which is the mental state of like, are you just, are you having fun doing it? Because, you know, that is going to push times and improve your performance because you like what you are doing. It, it's so true. It sounds so hokey, but I've, I've really... I really believe it now. If you decide something in your head or you you believe you're going to be happy in a in a workout, it it translates. I, I just decided at one point, I really didn't like swimming. I wasn't excelling at it. I was very slow. And I just decided at one point, the pool is fun. I love being in the water. I love swimming. And yep. all and like it sounds hokey, but I started to swim better. I started to swim faster. And I was at the Ironman, that was my biggest surprise. I got out of the water. I looked at the watch. I was like, oh my God, I did that in an hour and five minutes. Like I can't, for me, that was really fast. I was like, wow, that is, that is awesome. And I truly believe it's because I just decided that swimming was going to be fun. And now it's not fun every day, but. 
<laughs> wasn't fun this morning that's for sure <laughs> um yeah so wait hold on a second did you went from went from 225 to 175 yeah i mean this is over multiple multiple years i didn't i didn't like drop a ton of weight but it was sort of like a slow progression right like i started running i did the dallas marathon joined midnight runners around that time I actually helped launch the Midnight Runners chapter in LA. I ran the LA Marathon. Uh, I moved back to Boston and I started doing CrossFit more. Um, and then just sort of slowly over time, you know, got just healthier, started cycling, started swimming. We signed up for the Ironman. And then, yeah, and, and I never decided like I need, I knew I needed to lose weight or needed to be a little healthier. But my focus wasn't losing weight. My focus was getting healthy and exercising and trying to sweat more um, and have fun with it, right? Do, you know, spend time with Alice running or biking. Well, she's much faster than me, so she has to slow down when we do it together. But, or, you know, going to midnight runners or I, yesterday I had, a, I was supposed to have a coffee meeting um, with someone and I said, hey, what would you think about doing it over a run? And he said, sure, that sounds great. And so we had a meeting. We was more of like a run walk, but yeah. we had a great time. And so just sort of trying to find ways to make exercising and working out fun, fun. Um, is, is what got me from 225 to 170-ish. And that, and that <laughs> it's a Friday, so it's gone up. It's gonna go yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is our, you know, to kind of summarize your, your key messages for people who might be listening, who maybe they're in a rut or maybe they have literally not even started. They don't even think that they can do something like a marathon. They don't think that they can do something like an Ironman. You know, what are your key messages for, for people? Make it fun. I mean, that's the number one is, is make it fun. Um, try to have fun in everything you're doing, whether it's again, being social, playing music, you know, joining a, a club, just being around people. That's huge. Uh, the second thing is, you know, there's really no one size fits all way to do it, right? There's a ton of people that wake up at 6 a.m. And, and go to the spin class or go to CrossFit or what have you. That might not work for you. And just figure out what works for you and realize that it's a process that you're going to have to build bricks every day. And then I think the, the biggest thing that's helped me a ton, and I didn't come up with this and I don't remember where I, I heard it, but at, I, I read or heard some, some, at some point, think about the absolute best version of yourself that you could ever dream of. And what would that person do in this very moment? So sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I do not want to run today. I do not want to swim. And I think, you know, the Mike Alberts that I want to be would definitely go run. He may not run the fastest, but he's going to, he'll, he'll, he'll show up and he'll run. And I've never come back from a workout and said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I've always felt better. Um, and so that, that has been important. And sorry, one more, that. one more is like, cut yourself a break. It's totally fine. If you miss a day, it's totally fine. If you have a bottle of wine, right. It's totally fine. If you sleep in, you know, I think listening to your body and, and, just try not to put so much pressure on yourself. I think we live in this community, uh, in this world of just high pressure 
people on social media that are at the top of their sport or at the top of their career. And, you know, it takes time. It's okay. It's a marathon. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's an Ironman. <laughs> it's an Ironman. It's, Iron Iron Man. Man. <laughs> it's, an, it's an Ironman, you know? Awesome. 